So let's go to Revelation chapter 1. What I didn't ask you, but how, how long do you normally go? I want to honor the time. Glory. I can get through half the message, all right? Just kidding, just kidding. Revelation chapter 1. This is a message that's, that's really been rocking me in a real deep, deep way because the Lord's been ministering to me. I shared this in the earlier service. Last year, during presence, we were, it's a very interesting time. It was, it's actually difficult. Probably the most difficult one we've ever had. And I was sitting at, at, in my hotel room in Austin and just praying and, and seeking the Lord on the whole thing. And the Lord said something to me that just shook me to my core. And he said, you really need to be careful because you're this close to no longer doing presents for me. That just shook me. I, I remember I was up early in the morning praying. I right before the global worship something. And he said, you're this close to doing it for you and no longer doing it for me. And he began to take me back to the history of presence. When, you know, when, when we started it, our heart was, it really it was birthed out of, we used to do these 50 hours of worship called Fire on the Altars. And it was just out of this desire in our hearts to give Jesus a gift. So that was our heart. Like, Lord, we want to, you know, there, there is an offering that Jesus loves more than money. There's an offering that Jesus loves more than preaching or more than whatever, and it's called our worship. It's the greatest offering because it's a love offering. It's something that you do out of just the extravagance of your heart. And the Lord called us to, to host this gathering. It's essentially, I want you to take, you know, two and a half days, and I just want you to be extravagant, which is a crazy thing. That, you know, we talk about the Lord uh, moving us and touching us. But have you ever stopped and considered that we have the ability to move the heart of God? Just think about this. Paul, Paul talks about nobody can know the mind or the heart of God. And God's a mystery and it's going to take all of eternity to know him. But somehow our broken, bad breath, out-of-tune little song has the ability to do to the heart of God what 10,000 angels couldn't do. I want you to get this deep inside of you. Ten minutes of worship from you does more to the heart of God than a thousand years of worship from a thousand angels. This is amazing. God is so moved by my love. God is so moved by your love. He's so moved by your worship. And so this was our heart to, to, to do this gathering was just to give Jesus a gift. Let's gather as many people as possible and we're just going to give him a gift. We're just going to love him. And then it's, it's amazing. We get so, I'm going to get on this here in a little bit, but we, we, we get so busy working and doing all these things. You forget about the Jesus part or just giving Jesus the gift. And it just becomes like another gathering and another conference. And I love presents. I, I think it's awesome. But it's so easy. All these things that begin pure, we become so distracted by the thing that we forget the one thing. We, we forget the main thing. 
And I really believe what, what's getting ready to come globally to the body of Christ is God is getting ready to transition or revolutionize the way that we view ministry and what we call successful ministry. I, listen, I love evangelism and I get to travel and do all this stuff, but it's amazing that nine out of 10 times when we have conferences or gatherings, it's to train people how to be good public ministers. It's most of our training, most of our equipping, most of the language that we give is how to be a good public minister. But do you realize that the, the ministry that matters the most the ministry that means the most to the Lord, that the Lord is most after, it's the one that's in your bedroom before Him. That's, you want to know the ministry? Jesus didn't die to raise up evangelists. I love evangelism. We do it. It's awesome. But Jesus didn't die for me to stand up and preach in front of people. Because I'm not going to be doing that for eternity. I'm not going to be building Heart of David for eternity. I'm not going to be an itinerant minister for eternity. Jesus died to empower me to be a lover. And, it's, and he's after the ministry that's not in front of anyone. That's just you and him. Friends, I'm telling you, the most significant, powerful, life-changing, earth-shattering thing you will ever do is have a thriving private life before God. I really, I want you to get this this morning. To get it to the, I mean, significance before the Lord has nothing to do with platform. Significance before the Lord has nothing to do with a bank account. Has nothing to do with following. Has nothing to do with microphone, platform, people knowing your name. Significance before the Lord has everything to do with intimacy. That's significance before the Lord. Now let's go to Revelation 1. If you were here in the afternoon, I referenced this verse. I want to look at it a little bit. One of the ways that I really believe that God's going to change or transform the, the, the culture and the perspective of ministry and success is by reintroducing to the church the language of priesthood. And it's so important. Go to Revelation 1, start at verse 5. Last, yes, last, yesterday when I read this, my whole water bottle fell on my Bible. So I just had a word of wisdom from the Lord to close that. Felt like I just felt like I heard my mom's voice. Like, Joey, close your water bottle. I'm going to listen. Look at this, verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. It's one of my favorite portions of Scripture in all the whole Bible. And it says, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And I said this yesterday. When most of us talk about the blood, like, that's where we stop. I'm cleansed. I'm not going to hell anymore. I'm clean. Amen. But I want to tell you that the blood does more than just clean you. Jesus did more than just save you from hell. In fact, that's like base. That's like entry level. It's bigger than not going to hell. Do you hear me? This is not about not going to hell. 
This is not what this is about. This is about uh, 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 this eternal storyline of God the lover looking for lovers. And what the blood does is it qualifies us to be what the son is after. In other words, the blood gives me permission to now have a prayer life. The blood gives me permission to go deep in God in a way I couldn't go before. The blood gives me permission to actually have the knowledge of God alive inside of me. He says, look, he washed us from our sins, amen. In verse 6, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever, amen. So what did he do? It says kings, it's actually a bad translation. It should say a kingdom of priests. So Jesus established something bigger than Sunday morning Christianity. Jesus established something bigger than a 501c3. He established a government, a governing body, a government on the earth. And the way that this government would operate is through priesthood. I'll say it like this. How many of you want to grow in authority? Raise your hand. Authority over nations, authority over demons, over sickness and disease. Right? Who wants to grow? Two people. I want authority. You don't get authority with a title. You hear me? You, a, a title. I know so many people name apostle that don't even have authority to open up a door. Titles don't give you authority. Microphones don't give you authority. Volume doesn't give you authority. Do you know how you get authority? This is the whole a government of priests. Authority is only given through intimacy. I want you to get this this morning. The, the deeper you go in intimacy, the greater you go in authority. This, and this is the way the Lord established a government on the earth. He says, here is how I'm going to release my kingdom in Corpus Christi. People actually have to spend time with me. This blows my mind. This is not the easy way to do things. He's, Jesus has obviously not been in a strategic planning meeting <laughs> on like successful kingdom building. Because here's how we're going to save the whole world. People have to be willing to rearrange their schedules, turn off Disney Plus or whatever you're distracted with. I'm not against that. <laughs> but I see more people talking about Disney Plus. I even people, they could tell me everything about Disney Plus. They didn't even know Hebrews is in the Bible. Turn the thing off. Listen, can I tell you something? I remember this one time. I, I'm not going to tell you what it is. I don't ever tell people radical decisions I make because then it becomes legalism for you. But I made this radical. I just decided I was going to lay something down. It wasn't sin in the Bible, but I just wanted to lay it down. And I told this guy that I did that as this leader. And I said, oh, I, you know, I don't know. And, and he looked at me and he said something so profound. He says, when you stand before the Lord on the day of judgment and you look into his eyes, you won't ever regret a single radical decision you made for Jesus. You won't look, you're not going to look at Jesus on the day of judgment and be like, I should have kept Netflix. 
I'm telling you, we think we're so consumed with a little 70 years. We're so consumed with 30 years or whatever occupies our minds. Friends, there is an eternity of going deep in God that's so much bigger than 30 years of Netflix. So much bigger than the, whatever, the mandolin. What's that other show is everyone likes? Yes. See. You guys came awake. I said, who wants authority? Then I talk about Disney Plus and you're like, the spirit of the Lord is on me. And every single guy said, amen. Okay. But friends, I want to tell you something. There is more to life than entertainment and pleasure. And there's more to life than a big ministry. There's more to life than a successful business. I'm not against any of this stuff. I think it's good, but there's more to life. And success is not going to be determined by any of that. And so Jesus, because he didn't go to any of our church growth conferences, says, I'm going to build my kingdom on the earth, and here is how my kingdom is going to increase. The more people spend time with me, the more I'll release my kingdom in that place. This blows my mind. It, it's, it's backwards. It doesn't work in our distracted society, does it? It doesn't work in our distracted society. Like, literally, we, we can give ourselves to distraction for the rest of our lives. And I remember a heart of David in, in a worship set, the Lord spoke to me and I just, he said, he said, I want to distract you from your distractions. So when he told me, he said, I want to distract you from everything else that distracts you. And so how is God going to release his kingdom on the earth? Intimacy. And it's not just going and saying, Lord, pay my bills, bless my family, give me a new truck. It's standing, it's going before the Lord as a priest and saying, Lord, I want to love what you love. That's what it is. It's going before the Lord and saying, Lord, whatever you're praying, I want to pray. Whatever you're thinking, I want to think. What you love, I want to love. What you hate, I want to hate. And you don't do that by, you know, 10-minute little bless me, bless me, bless me. You actually have to get close enough to him and quiet enough and stay there long enough that you begin to hear him speak. It's easy to hear, you know, a prophetic word and bless them. But when God begins to share his secrets with you. When the Lord says, let me let you into my prayer life. So, the, friends, the kingdom of God is not going to be established through gospel crusades. I love them. We do them. It's awesome. But the number one way, the way that the Lord has chosen is through this thing called priesthood. And Jesus' blood has qualified you to be a priest. Now, what does this mean? It's not it's bigger than a night of worship. Or it's bigger than just cool language. This means that you now have wide open access to come boldly before the throne of God and stand in front of Him. Do you hear me? You have the same access to the Father that Jesus has. 
I want you to think about this right now. I don't care if you got saved this morning. The moment you said yes to Jesus, you have the full availability to the fullness of God. There's no, there's no difference. I don't have more than you do. But I'll tell you this, the reason it seems like some have more is because they spend more time there than others. Let's look at something real quick. Go to Exodus chapter 28. Now, what is, so we're establishing this principle that you're a priest. What is the chief ministry, the chief occupation of the priesthood? Now, for most people, you know, they'll say intercession, sacrifice, and that's a part of it. But do you know that the chief, what does it mean to be a priest? It means that your chief ministry, your number one ministry is to actually enjoy God, to look at the Lord. It's to go before the Lord. God is your number one ministry. You don't need a title. You don't need to work at a church. You can work at Coffee Waves for the rest of your life. Come on. <laughs> Pastor Dave got touched. <laughs> oh, you can work at Walmart. It doesn't matter. We all... I remember we, we, my wife and I were talking to someone about this. Or they were talking to my, my wife and then she talked to me. It's people like, you know, a calling. I don't have a calling. This. Do you know that everybody at the end of the day has the same calling? Do you know that your calling at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, your calling is the same as my calling? And that's the calling that matters more than every other calling. Some might, be, some might have a grace to preach in front of thousands, and you might lead a Bible study of three people. But we both have the same primary calling, and that's the calling that matters to Jesus more than anything else you will ever do in your life. It matters more than, you know, whether if you're a worship leader and you never make an album, it doesn't matter. Life is so much bigger than an album. So much bigger than a position. Your number one calling is actually to minister to the Lord. Now let me say, and that's bigger than just standing for an hour and going, I bless you, I bless you, I bless you, I love you, I love you, I bless you, I love you. It's bigger than that. Ministering to the Lord is taking time to discover who God is in a deep and real way. It's going deep before the Lord and, and, and allowing God to reveal layers of himself that even others have never seen. And then, being so jealous about it, you don't go and tell anybody about it. Could you imagine having a life in God and the Lord shows you things that you don't immediately go write a book about or put on Facebook? I'll tell you this real quick, then we'll jump into Exodus 28. We always get these young people that come to the school, and they're fired up. But the truth is, they just, they want to get, like, the, the secrets and how to be the next big worship leader. You see it on them sometimes. They come in, and they're like, they're, they're the most gift. They're like the next whatever. The world doesn't need the next whatever. That's what's wrong with us now. 
And so they come, and I say, okay, I'm gonna, I'm, I, 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 love to, I, I love to tell them this. And I say, okay, I, let's say I call you out, and I give you so I'm going to ask you the hypothetical situation. Right now, I call you out by your name. Little Billy, stand up. And I tell you, you know, your social security number, your, the last thing you ordered at Whataburger, whatever, to prove that it's the word of the Lord. And I say, you are going to be the most significant and important worship leader in your generation. Who would like that word? Don't be false humility. Raise your hand. It's a good thing. The Lord says, I'm going to give you the most important songs in your generation. I'm going to give you songs. And if you're here yesterday, you would understand how this works. I'm going to give you songs that's going to deliver places like the Philippines from sex trafficking. Who would like that ministry? I'm going to give you songs that's going to liberate nations. I'm literally, you're going to have the most important and, 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 and historic monumental worship songs in your generation. I would say absolutely, yes. I would love that. And the Lord says, but you'll never, ever lead worship in public. You'll never do it in public. You'll never even work at your church. You're going to work at, uh, I always say Starbucks, but here you work at Coffee Waves. <laughs> You'll work at Coffee Waves for the rest of your life. You'll never post about it on Facebook. Nobody will ever know. It'll be our secret. And you won't even get rewarded in this age. I'll reward you in the next one. Would you take it? Would you? It's easy to say it now. It's easy to say it now, but it's tough when you're doing it and the person next to you is making millions of dollars. And you're barely making 40000 And they're doing it for themselves and you're discipling nations. It's easy to say it now. But friends, mark my words. This is the next wave that's coming to the worship movement. This is what's coming to the church. It's people that are going to take their first calling to the Lord serious. They're going to lock themselves in their bedrooms. And they're going to sing things. You'll never hear their song, but you'll eat the fruit of their worship. Now let's look at this. Exodus 28, verse 1. Now what is the purpose? What does it mean to be a priest? I'm glad you asked. Now look at this, verse 1. Now take Aaron, your brother. Now this is all of us. We, everybody in this room right now is a priest. Look to your neighbor. Say, neighbor, I am a priest. That's your first function and calling. It's the most important one. Because that's the one that's before him and for him. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? Now he says, now take Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from among the children of Israel, that he may minister to me as priest. So, so notice what he says, that not to minister to the people, and they do do that, but the Lord makes it clear, their ministry above everything is to me. Friends, if every single believer, if everybody in this room is a priest, that means that everybody in this room has a primary calling that trumps every other calling, and it's to him. Do you hear what I'm saying? You were created to minister to the Lord. Now, let's continue. That he may minister to me as priest, Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Itamar. Now, listen to what he says. And you shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. Now listen to that. 
He says, here's, here's two things God's about to lay out as to the why of the priesthood. What does it mean to be a priest? What does it mean to be called to be a priest? Number one, it means we're called to him. Before you're, again, this isn't a don't evangelize message. That's not what I'm saying. This isn't a don't serve your local church message. That's not what I'm saying. People take that and they run and they do whatever they want. No, it's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is before you're called to anyone, you're called to him. That's what you were born again for. It's what you were created for. You weren't created because God was bored. Do you hear what I'm saying? Maybe this is crazy for you to think. You weren't created because God had nothing to do. You were created because God had a longing. Maybe that's weird for some of you to think. It doesn't diminish who the Lord is, but God made us because God had a longing to share with a, a, a form of creation the fellowship that he had with himself for eternity. This is why we're alive above everything else that you will ever do. You want to find significant significance is, is experiencing fellowship, the same fellowship with God that God has with himself. Just think about that for a moment. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to have, be fluent in anything. You don't have to have talent. All you have to have is a yes in your heart. So he says, they're ministering to me and they're made for beauty and glory. What does this mean? That the purpose of the priesthood is to be among those on the earth whose chief priority it is, is actually just to look at God and discover who he is. Just think about that. That God has actually created us and made a way for us to spend our lives standing in front of him and just discovering who he is and causing us to be completely blown away by beauty and glory. Friends, you are alive to stand in front of God and seek him with both your eyes. You were created for beauty and glory. You were created for more than what meets the eye. You know the, the, the famous phrase, David says it all the time in the Psalms, I'll worship you in the beauty of holiness. You guys ever heard that phrase? Do you know what that actually, we have all these weird mystical things and we put them in songs. Do you know what it actually means to worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness? It's not a mystical thing. You know, the, what's that dog from the whatever? It's, <laughs> it's nothing weird. It literally means, it literally translates, I will worship you in the garments of the priesthood. That's the literal translation of that. I don't know why they put the beauties of holiness, but it literally means I will worship in priestly garments. This is what he was saying. I don't want to worship or I don't want what the other tribes have. He's making a declaration. He says, everyone else is okay with their land inheritance. I'm not settling for land inheritance. You remember David when he goes to get the ark? He takes off his royal robes, and what does he put on? He puts on a linen ephod. He dresses himself like a priest, and he was making a declaration. He was saying this, I want to be among those whom the Lord is their inheritance. Because that's what it meant to be a priest. To be a priest meant this, everyone else is going to get everything else. You get me. 
Could you imagine being a people? You don't get the land. You don't get all the fancy stuff. You get something better. He is your inheritance. Friends, that's what it means to be a kingdom of priests. It means more than anything else, God himself becomes your reward and your inheritance. And when David says these things like, I worship in the beauty of holiness, and he dresses like a priest, he's saying, God, more than being king over Israel, I want to be a priest. More than a throne, more than a great name, more than a palace, more than anything else. You know what I want? I want beauty and glory. Real quick, I love that Pastor David mentioned this. Go to Psalm 27. 10, 15 more minutes, you guys good? And then we'll go get Mexican food. The Lord didn't say fast. He said eat fast. I always eat every opportunity I get because you never know when the Lord's going to sneak in and tell you to fast. (laughs) He'll sneak in. I'll beat him to it. Anytime I drive to a restaurant, I don't want to hear. Because he might tell you to skip. He's done that to me before. I shut off. And when prophet friends call on the way to restaurants, I don't answer. Just in case. (laughs) Oh, brother, I missed your call. I guess I'll have to fast after this five-course meal I just had. (laughs) Anyways, you guys know that's true. Have you ever fasted? Most of my prayer time, I'm like, Lord, this is dumb. This is what you chose? You could have done anything else. I could have, like, fasted, like, school. (laughs) I I promise you that's not, I tell him that every time I fast, I'm like, why? (laughs) Like, this is ridiculous. Anyways, he's never responded to me. But I sure he, I tell him every time, like, this? You want, you want me to do this? I, I could have done anything else. I could have, you know, whatever. Not shaved my beard or something. Oh, uh, the Lord says to fast. So, okay, hopefully not today. Now, look at now, 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 I want you to, Pastor David uh, uh, quoted this earlier, Psalm 27. Do you know when David writes Psalm 27? Not in the palace. Now, he has the promise to be king. He writes it in a cave. This is fascinating. He writes it in the cave. Outside of the cave is the entire army of Israel, and they're looking for him to kill him. So he's living in the tension of outside is an army that's looking to kill him, and over here is a promise to be king. It's this incredible promise that he is going to essentially become, at the time, the most powerful man in the world. And he writes out this psalm and he gets to verse 4 and he says something absolutely fascinating. He says, one thing have I desired. Now here's what he's saying. He's saying, Lord, in this place of this tension of army coming to kill me, the promise to be king, if I could have anything. Imagine coming to this. The Lord comes before you and he says, all right, I'll give you anything you want. What do you want? And you're in that position. You're in that place that David is in. You, you, you might have a promise to have a nice little car wash business. This guy had promised to be king. To be the wealthiest man in the land. To be the most powerful man in the land. And he comes before the Lord. And he says, one thing. There's only one thing I want. If you're going to give me anything. If you'll do anything for me. Don't do it. Before you even deliver me from Saul or make me king, 
if you're going to do anything for me, I want to dwell in your house all the days of my life. And I want to behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in your temple. He says, if you're going to do anything, don't make me king. Make me a priest. If you're going to do anything, give me grace to spend my life just staring at you. All I want, I want to give myself simply just to stare at beauty and glory. Real quick, go to Luke 10. Luke 10. Look at this. Friends, I believe God is getting ready to deliver us from distractions. To deliver us from every false definition of success. Luke 10, it's one of my favorite portions of scripture. Verse uh, 38. And I believe it's a prophetic word for where we are. It says, now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village when a certain woman named Martha, Martha Ministries, I said this earlier, she's just typical American Christianity ministry. Martha Ministries, a very successful ministry, has a really good social media following and a marketing team, host annual conference, and has T-shirts to Until Every Nation Sings. I help make those shirts. Whatever, you know, she has all this stuff. Really, really impactful ministry. Now, I really want you to hear me. I'm not against any of that stuff. But what I'm saying is when it really comes down to it, it doesn't matter. All the time, I have to go before the Lord and say, Lord, if you shut it all down, would I be okay still? If you shut every, if every little thing I do and I had to go get a job at Outback, would you still be enough for me? Everything I'm believing the Lord for. Lord, if you didn't do any of those things, would you still be enough? So here's Martha International Ministries. Great ministry. She's got a board. She's friends with everybody that you know. She takes pictures with them every time she's with them. She's expensive to bring in, but it's worth it because she draws a crowd. Now, these are all real people. So, and so Jesus shows up and she's there. She's welcoming him because everything she does is for him or because of him. She does it because of him. She loves Jesus. I want you to get this. Martha is not anti-Jesus. Martha loves Jesus. I want you to hear this. She's not evil. She's not wicked. She loves Jesus. She serves the Lord wholeheartedly. She's built this whole ministry because she really, really, really wants to serve him. So Martha welcomes him. She prepares the food and all the drinks and gets everything. She's been prepping. She's got her whole leadership team. They've been trained for this moment what to do when Jesus comes in. Everyone's working and everything's good and the lights and everything. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. This is, I'm so rocked and tenderized by this. 
Martha's working for the Lord and building her ministry. Go, 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 go. Look at all the airline miles I have. Some of you laugh, but I sat with the Lord two weeks ago, and he says, do you know what? You're more committed to your status on United Airlines than you are to me. That's what the Lord told me. He says, you're more committed to the amount of miles you fly and the status than the time you spend with me. And, the Lord, and, and I remember I was, I was getting ready to preach at a conference in New Jersey, and I, and I had this whole other message, and the Lord gave me this prophetic word, and the word was this, are there any Marys left? Are there any Marys left? And he said, 10 years ago, everybody was a Mary. Everybody was Mary. I'm going to be Mary. And then we learned how to market Mary and how to produce Mary and put Mary on the shelf. And now we're Martha, right? We're Mary's or we're Martha in Mary's name. And, and now, we, because we got famous over the Mary thing, we don't sit at his feet anymore because we're too busy talking about when we sat at his feet. And so Jesus is sitting, and Mary goes and sits at his feet. And Martha gets annoyed with her. Lord, tell her to do something, because look at her. She, I don't know how many, she doesn't lead anyone to the Lord. She, she never, you know, whatever. Whatever it is, so she's, not, she's not doing this, she's not doing that, she's not busy. She just, what is she doing? She's not building the kingdom. Whatever it is that you're distracted with, she's not, she's not, she's not. And Jesus, and she says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve? Don't you care that she's just sitting there looking at you, like a little hippie, whatever, <laughs> wasting away? Lord, she's a bad steward of her influence. She's a bad steward of her gifting and her anointing. She could be preaching to thousands, but she's sitting at your feet. What a waste of time. What a waste of time to get up two hours earlier or to shut off the television and sit before the Lord. What a waste of anointing. Jesus says, oh, Martha. It's the only person he says their name twice. But I don't think he says it because he's annoyed. I think he says it because he's longing. He said, Martha, I'm lo- I wish you did this. And look at what he says to her. He says, Martha, Martha. Oh, he says, you're worried and troubled about many things. She was worried and troubled about serving Jesus. You know what he's telling her? You're so distracted working for me that you can't even see me. She wasn't busy with her job. She was busy for him. She says, you're so busy for me, you've forgotten about me. The Lord was saying, essentially, he's saying, I I didn't come here for your service. I've come here for your time. I've come here for your presence. And he says, Martha, Martha, you're worried and you're troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary, one thing, this is Jesus, and he's saying, when it's all said and done, friends, I want you to hear me this morning. When it's all said and done, one thing is needed. When it's all said and done, only one thing actually matters. 
When it's all said and done before the Lord, there's only one ministry that actually matters. There's only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. Mary chooses the good part. Pastor Dave, is it okay if I have Dana to come up on the keys? Is that okay? Dana, would you mind coming up? I just want to be mindful. How much, how much more time? Just, I want to. Perfect. Yeah. No, this will be good. I want to. So we're going to go into another scripture, but we'll kind of just, we'll, we'll land here. I want us to stand to our feet this morning. Let me just close with this thought and we'll pray and I'll just paraphrase this for you. I really wanted to just speak this over us. It's one of my, it's the next time Jesus comes to visit Mary and Martha. Do you guys remember this? I'll do this in one minute. Comes to visit, he goes to Bethany. And see, the thing people don't realize is about, they believe it's the same Mary. So for the sake of today's message, let's say it is. Jesus shows up. He comes back to the same house. Because when you make time for him, Jesus, will keep, he'll keep coming back. And so Mary... They're all sitting there and they're they're at Simon the leper's house and they're doing all their little things. Jesus walks in and everyone's so busy. I learned this recently. Mary shows up with an alabaster jar of oil, perfume. And she, you know the story, she takes it and she breaks it at Jesus' feet and everybody gets offended with her. They're like, what a waste of money. What a waste of a gifting and anointing. We could have used this. We could have, we could have done a lot with this. A dear friend of mine was a scholar. and was telling me that Mary, as most of you know, was a prostitute. And she would go house to house and she would do what she did, walk in the streets. And, 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 and they say that the, the, the jar of perfume was worth five years worth of income, of full-time income. And they said what they would do, what these women would do is they would prostitute themselves and they would save every single penny that they had. Every penny. So they say for about three to five years, she saves every single penny to buy a jar of perfume so when the right man came, when the one came worth wasting it all on, when the one she'd been waiting for had come, she would take it and she would put it on herself and she would perfume herself so that on their wedding day, she would come in and she, when she walked into the room, she would bring a fragrance and an aroma that nobody else on the earth had but her. So there's this woman for, let's say, five years. It's $150,000 jar of perfume. been waiting all her life and he shows up and she sees something in him that no one else can see 
I don't want to be among those that when Jesus is in the room, I can't see. I don't want to get so used to Jesus, so distracted that I actually can't even see his worth anymore. All these leaders, all of Jesus' leadership team, they have forgotten what he's actually worth. And when she sees him, what she had been saving for herself, she says, this isn't for me, it's for him. I've given my life for this little jar, but it wasn't for me, it's for him. And she takes it and she breaks it and she begins to perfume Jesus. And all the guys, this team, what a waste. What a waste of life. What a waste of gift. What a waste of ministry. What a waste. You know what? We, we could have done so much for the poor. We could have done a great this. We could have done a great that. You know what we could have done with that money? You know what we could have done with that gift, with that talent? What a waste. I want to end with these two things very quick, 30 seconds. Jesus says two things. He says, He says, what she did, she did for my burial. Because you have to understand, in those days, the perfume was so poignant, and it went so deep in his pores that as they're whipping Jesus, this is proven by scholars that as they, every time they would whip him, the fragrance of Mary's perfume would be released. And as Jesus is being beaten and crucified, you could literally smell Mary's worship. I want to live the sort of life that wherever Jesus goes, you can smell me. But this is what I want to end with. He says something absolutely significant. He rebukes them and he says, and he says, and not only are you wrong, he says, let me tell you something. This is one of the most profound things Jesus says in the whole Bible. He says, and make sure when this gospel goes to Texas, when this gospel goes to the Philippines, and when this gospel goes to Asia, wherever this gospel goes, if you're going to share anything, if you're going to tell any story, don't bother mentioning that I walked on water. Don't even talk about me feeding 5,000 or casting demons out. If you're going to share anything, make sure you talk about Mary's worship. He says, let the memory of her, wherever the gospel is, Mary. And he says, and this is why he says, because, because essentially it's this, because this is what he's after. I'm not after another great preacher. I'm not after another great this or another great that. I'm just after another Mary. Let me just pray over us real quick. Call, just close your eyes before the Lord. And I want you to ask yourself this question this morning. If you've lost hold of the one thing, if you've become distracted, whether it's ministry or your job, career, or television, whatever, it doesn't matter. There's no condemnation. The Lord's not angry. The Lord's in love with you. Now this morning, if you've allowed yourself to become a Martha, you've allowed yourself to become distracted, and you've lost focus of the main thing, of the one thing, and you're saying today, Lord, I'm coming back to the one thing. I'm coming back to what this whole thing is about. I'm coming back to the only thing that actually matters, Lord. And everything I have, I'm just going to break it and pour it out. I just want you to raise your hand wherever you are. I'm just going to pray over you. I'm going to have Dana just quickly sing a verse of this song and I'll hand it over to Pastor Dave. I'm just going to pray. Father, come on, just lift your hands. Father, here we are. 
Lord, forgive us. Forgive us, Lord, that we've, we've been okay with being too busy for you. And we've been so distracted with so many things, Lord, and we've been caught up in this rat race called success. But Lord, we say this morning, only one thing is needed. Only one thing matters. Lord, we say, here we are again, God, and we come back to the one thing. Lord, we come back to the only thing that matters, and it's you, Lord. And Lord, today we say, give us the garments of the priesthood. Lord, we want to be among those whose inheritance is your presence, whose inheritance is your nearness. Lord, here we are. We say yes, God, and we give ourselves today as Mary of Bethany, Lord. Lord, more than a big ministry, more than a big bank account, more than platforms, more than anything, Lord, we want a great devotional life. We want a life before God. Come on, just take, a, take 30 seconds and just you tell the Lord. Come on, tell him, Lord, here I am. Give myself to the one thing. Come on, just say yes to him this morning. Come on, lift your voice to him. Just 30 seconds. Come on, whatever perfume, whatever that is, whatever it is, if it's time or money, whatever, just take that jar and just break out. Begin to perfume him. Just begin to perfume him this morning. There's a Mary in the room Who used to sit at my feet The hours would go by But you didn't notice You had one thing on your
we are uh, going to continue to stay in this atmosphere, but I do need you guys to get your kids. And then I think this is just a perfect time for some of you to come up to the front and leave some things here at the altar. And also for those of you that are really just anxious and stressed and worried and depressed and sidetracked and distracted, I want to pray for you. Um, but I do want to receive an offering. I would be amiss to not do it. It's, it's hard to do it right now, but you know, Jose and Dane have sacrificed their time and I want to make sure that we bless them mightily. Um, and we have to cover some expenses, but really more than that, I want to make sure that we bless them. And so I'd like to receive an offering real quick, and then I need you to go get your kids. So if you guys wouldn't mind um, giving mightily right now, there's an envelope in the seat pocket in front of you. You can give online. Uh, the information's on the screen, and then we'll go back. Would you sing over us a little bit longer? All right. You can bring your kids back in, but ushers, if you would come up right now and pass the buckets, and I'd like to ask all of you, please, to give something. And let's bless them. Let's be extravagant in our giving. If you love what you've heard, you want to sow into it because you reap from it. So ushers, go ahead and pass the buckets. Make checks out to Rock City Church. Please give abundantly and mightily today so that we can bless them for their time and coming to be with us. And then after the bucket goes by, you guys are free to go or... I'd like to ask my ministry team, my prayer partner team to come up if you're here. You're welcome to come lie down at the front, kneel at the front. Uh, if we take conversations to the lobby, let's have this be, let's give the Lord some more time right now for those of you that are really being touched and just need this time. Come up to kneel at the front and prayer partners, just come and pray for people. And I love you guys so much. We'll see you on Wednesday. And thank you guys for being here. And Let's just continue to have some ministry time.